so much for uh, um, thank you so much for having me here, and and thanks for being here tonight, uh, Eric. Thanks for asking me to uh, to come and speak. This is always an exciting opportunity for me uh, to be to be able to share a little bit of my experience and knowledge uh, of the program and. Um, you know, of, of what I've been through and, and how I've gotten here and how I know I'm in the right place. Um, you know, I've got uh, my sobriety date is September 28th, 2020. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, the pandemic had anything to do with that, but it certainly did not. Um, I It's not my first sobriety date. And uh, hopefully, though, it is my last. Um, I have a home group. It's the Saturday morning PPG uh, Zoom-based meeting. I think it started out of Dallas, but at this point, we have just about as many international members as we do um, those based out of the U.S., uh, so it could go either way. That is a benefit of, uh, I think, of the, the pandemic that we've been dealing with is that uh, we we have the opportunity uh, to be able to connect with, you know, those down in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi on a Wednesday night um, and, uh, and, and to be able to kind of uh, share sobriety like this, and I, and I really love that. Uh, the beautiful thing about the, the uh, primary purpose group that I'm uh, involved with currently is that our sole focus is is just on that, the primary purpose of the program, and that's to uh, to carry the message to uh, alcoholics. Um, and it's, uh, it's a great way for me to be able to kind of understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and how to do it. Uh, as I mentioned originally, uh, I had a, a completely different sobriety date. Uh, it was back in 2012. Um, I had gone to a 30-day treatment center, I uh, got involved in the sober living program, and uh, went to meetings as a requirement of the house. Uh, at some point or another, I decided it'd be a good idea to get a sponsor, just because that was what uh, everybody told me to do. And, and uh, of course, I found a sponsor that, that was, you know, that I knew was going to kind of uh, take it a little bit light on me going through it. And so I didn't really have to do any, any of the kind of work. But you know, I, I did uh, about half the steps and, and kind of considered myself to be recovered at that point. And, uh, and things were actually going really well. And so I kind of took that momentum and I coasted with it. And, and you know, long story short, my will uh, took back over and, and it didn't really last uh, very long for me at that point. But to kind of back it up a little bit, I'm, I'm going to take an opportunity to, to qualify here just uh, to, you know, uh, reassure myself that I'm in the right place, but also to kind of, um, you know, help those uh, who may be hearing this for the first time, uh, see how they may be in the right place as well. Um, you know, I've heard in a lot of other meetings of speaker tapes, you know, people talk about this idea that, you know, at, at some point or another in their lives, they took a drink and had this aha moment, you know, is that first sip you hit, it hits your lips and, and, and I can breathe, I can relax. And and I can't necessarily remember that, not because I can't remember my first drink, but because I didn't necessarily have that specific moment. I wasn't, um, I wasn't drinking to solve a problem at the very beginning, but the way that I was drinking was very alcoholically. I remember, you know, from a very, very early age that I've never had uh, a stopping point. My stopping point was never able to be dictated or determined. Uh, I stopped when when the liquor ran out. And I think, you know, that dates back to, you know, right around the first time I started drinking, you know, I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, there are other substances that are part of my story, but for all intents and purposes, I'm going to kind of keep it limited to uh, my drinking behavior. Um, but from that time, 
Uh, every time that I drank, I drank till I could not drink anymore. Um, I don't know if there's ever really been a time where I've, uh, told myself that I'm only going to have a couple of drinks and, and stuck with that idea of having a couple of drinks. Uh, of course, unless, uh, my pocketbook had something to say about that, but I was, a uh, a blackout drinker. I was a, um, I'm going to drink till the booze runs out kind of guy. And, you know, I think for me, uh, that was a, a, a big indicator of of the problem that I had. Um, you know, it's it's part of we we talk about, I think, on page 44 at the beginning of We Agnostics in the big book. Uh, there are two different conditions that kind of help you uh, determine or realize whether or not you are uh, an alcoholic. And, you know, one of them is is that uh, you can choose to stop and stay stopped. And the other is that you can control the amount of drinks once you start drinking. And um, there's an or in between those two things. So if, if you have either one of those, you know, chances are you may be alcoholic. Uh, but I have the and. I uh, have both of those. I meet both of those, um, which which is not, is not good for me uh, because I can't stay stopped. And and when I start, I can't stop from there. Right. Um, and that and I mean that's that's true from the very beginning of my my drinking history. And and so. It, it's important for me to mention that that first time, you know, 13 years ago when I when I went into treatment, I went in voluntarily. Um, I had uh, I had been facing consequences uh, in the you know external sense in the real world, uh, legal consequences, um, you know, school consequences, family consequences, jobs, money, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so from the outside. I was faced with this dilemma of where am I going to end up? I'm either going to end up in an institution or uh, underground uh, with the way that my drinking uh, had been progressing at that time. And um, so I made the decision to ask for help and and I got that help. But of course, that help was going to be, you know, I'm coming from the East Coast at this point. I was in Vermont. Um, you know, I remember seeing a commercial on TV for this luscious, you know, retreat in Malibu, California, uh, that was all advertised. And of course I figured, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see if they they take my insurance and, and lo and behold, they did. Right. So I came to a dedicated non 12 step recovery based, uh, uh, treatment center, um, in, you know, on the cliffs of, of Southern California. And, and it was great. Um, I, I was all in, I, I paid attention. I participated in all the different uh, classes and programs and everything. And, um, you know, I kind of told myself that all I needed really was an opportunity to step back from what I was doing in my life and all the external pressures that I was facing and just kind of restart. Right. And so um, I was off uh, to a really good start at that point. And so I, I decided to keep up the momentum. I went into that uh, sober living house Um to to because I wasn't ready to go live on my own at that point. And uh, through that, like I said, the the requirement was there that we had to go to meetings. So, of course, in the meetings I went to were, you know, Southern California, there's uh, a fancy meditation based uh, uh, recovery uh, meeting that wasn't AA specific or alcohol specific for that matter. Um, I did, you know, pick up some men's meetings, I think more for the social element, because I heard of all this uh, emphasis on fellowship. Um, you know, I started kind of ramping up my meeting production. I'd go to midday meetings. I'd go to morning meetings because uh, I was told and what I heard was you've got to go to meetings, go to meetings, go to meetings, go to meetings. And 
And so I did. And I got commitments at those meetings. I was greeting people. I was, um, you know, scribing. I was uh, leading a couple of meetings, um, some men's stag meetings, all this kind of stuff. And um, and and I was I was my life was turning around. Things were going really well for me. And so, of course, I I kind of took that as look at, you know, look at this. I've uh, my first my first try, my first opportunity to get sober and I did it. And I, I've started to kind of build my life back up from square one. And, you know, I had a little bit of humility at the time, although it doesn't quite sound like it with, with how I'm uh, describing it at the moment. But, you know, there were uh, some really great things that were happening. And, you know, during that process, of course, I, I met my my now wife and she didn't know anything about uh, AA or the program. But of course, my honesty, our second date, I said, this is who I am. I'm an alcoholic. You know, I, I go to meetings and I'm in recovery because I didn't know at that point that you could actually get recovered because uh, I hadn't been reading the book. Um, and it, it I, I really wanted that to be kind of part of my life and part of my story. But the problem was, is that not only did she not know what was required of uh, a program, uh, you know, a legitimate program, I really didn't even know myself. Um, you know, I had a couple of years of sobriety at that point and uh, I was active, but I didn't know uh, what it meant to truly be alcoholic. Uh, I didn't really know about the the two part or even three part um, physical, mental, and spiritual uh, effects that I was uh, sub being subjected to. And um, you know, these meetings that I've been going to were were helping me figure out how to navigate difficult conversations with my bosses. Absolutely. Um, it was, it was putting me in touch with guys who had, you know, some pretty solid recovery under their belts as well. But, uh, at no point in that, did I learn what it meant to be an alcoholic? I didn't know exactly what it was about my behavior or my makeup that, that put me into those rooms. All I knew was that if I wanted to expect more out of my own life, than uh, running around, you know, drinking and, and, you know, up to no good. Um, you know, I, I needed to make some kind of change. Right. And so slowly, but surely I stopped going to meetings. Uh, and it wasn't a big deal because there was no accountability. There was really no one in my life at that time that was, uh, asking the questions of, you know, Hey, shouldn't you be going to a meeting or, or is it okay? Are you sure it's okay if you don't go to this meeting tonight? Um, and there was, of course, no accountability on my end. But the biggest issue that that I was facing that I didn't know is that I had no connection with a higher power through any of this, really. Um, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, nighttime prayers, I think, you know, at the time where it was good uh, for me at, at that point. But at the end of the day, I didn't really have a higher power. I, I grew up religious, Roman Catholic, you know, all the sacraments. Um, you know, that's something that I never really had a problem with, per se. So I knew how to pray. Um, and I was doing it and things were going okay. But I never had a really, you know, a, a solid, true connection with the higher power. And so the meetings, whether or not they were there, I was I was doomed to fail. Um, and again, going back to this idea of, of uh, the teaching styles and what we learn in the primary purpose group, um, you know, it's uh, there's, there's rarely have we seen a, a person fail who has thoroughly followed the path and the path is, has always, how it is, uh, lined out, uh, laid out in the book. And, and so, um, 
you know, uh, just shy of three years ago, uh, I found myself in a really tough spot mid-pandemic, and uh, I found the primary purpose group, and I got a new sobriety date, and I started working with a sponsor, and I, I started to learn page by page out of the big book what exactly it meant to be an alcoholic, um, the different components of alcoholism, um, how I knew that I was in the right place, and then what I needed to do to to treat that, um, and and how, of course, ultimately uh, how I could become recovered, and and that was a really big thing for me, and and uh, that's it's it's important for me still to this day to continue that process and that approach so that I know how to identify myself when I'm working with a newcomer. Um, I know how to, uh, you know, explain what it means to be alcoholic. Um, this, this really three part, uh, disease that we have, um, you know, and then, uh, how, how to walk another, uh, human being through it and, and help someone else on that. And so, uh, that's, that's where I am today, you know, in terms of, of my program. And so, you know the thing the, the the idea of this this three part disease that we talk about you know you hear it's either two part or it's three part you know there's there's the mental obsession um and what that tells me is that i can't stay stopped drinking uh i could put it down maybe for a little bit um you know i could tell myself that i'm going to quit i was really good at quitting um i quit a hundred thousand times maybe right but but uh eventually i always came back to it i couldn't stay quit right you know because whatever was going on with me internally, uh, I couldn't stay away from it. Um, and then once I stopped quitting again, uh, I had the physical allergy, you know, as soon as I put a drink inside my body, I was off to the races. You know, I've heard a, a number of times this, this concept of, uh, one is too many and a thousand is not enough. And that, that's a, a really great summary of, uh, my drinking was that, uh, I, I always had to have as much as I could get. And I, you know, it was maybe a badge of honor where I'd say my tolerance is, is so high that I, you know, I can, I can drink anyone under the table and, you know, it's, it's looking back on it, back on it. And it's not really something that I want, I really want to be proud about because I, I had to learn that behavior because I, I, yeah, I couldn't get enough into my system. Right. And then the third concept behind all of this is, is the, the spiritual malady. Um, this idea that drinking in and of itself was never my problem. Um, I drank problematically, but drinking was my solution, um, which, which is a crazy concept to even think about because it was fulfilling this, this spiritual malady, this defect that I had in my life, this hole, this God-shaped hole that I had in my life, um, the quick fix, the quick solution was, was to pick up a drink. Um, you know, there's a, a passage in the book that talks about being restless, irritable, and discontented. And that's, that's when I'm not drinking. And that's what it talks about unless, um, you know, or until we are, we experience the sense of, of relief that comes, uh, at once with taking that first drink. And so that was a big thing is, is of course, if you give me the opportunity to find, an immediate solution to whatever problem I may or may not know about, uh, I'm going to take that. And that's, that's, that's a character defect of mine is that, you know, give me the quick solution. Give me the easy thing to do, uh, regardless of the consequences, regardless of, of the long-term, you know, implications of that. Uh, and that's what alcohol did for me. Um, 
I can look back on a number of different uh, ideas and concepts uh, throughout my life and and my behavior and you know just kind of the general feeling that I remember having as a, as a kid and as as a teen and you know that that sense of discomfort um, you know and having the identity that I, I carried around uh, my drinking as if it was my identity. Um, you know, and of course, as I mentioned, there were uh, other substances in there as well. And, and you know, um, that's who I was and that's what I did. And and I was for for a long time, I was uh, a functioning alcoholic. I was able to, you know, go to school, high school, um, college. I was able to go to classes uh, and and carry this off as if nothing was wrong and, and kind of own it almost in, in a sense. And that was really interesting because there was so much underneath that I never got a chance to unpack uh, and learn about. And when I started uh, in AA, I still never even got to understand that. I still thought that drinking was my problem. But now, you know, we learn uh, through through the steps, uh, through doing this work and, and, you know, being led through with a sponsor that I've got a spiritual problem. And um, it's, it's a lack of spirituality problem that I've got because I'm selfish and self-centered. That is the root of my problem here. Right. And so in order to be able to, to address any of this, I have to, um, understand that. And so, you know, step one, obviously, um, my life has become unmanageable and that I'm powerless. Right. And that's not so much the idea, the ability for me to, to balance a checkbook or to keep up with external commitments or to, um, you know, take care of my responsibilities and, and pay my bills uh, on time, right? Or, keep, or hold down a job or stay out of jail. Um, my life is unmanageable when it comes to my drinking. Uh, I cannot manage uh, my choice. I have no choice of drink and, and I cannot control my drink when that happens. And, um, it, you know, at the, at the end of the beginning of ch chapter five uh, that uh, I believe Laura just read for us, um, you know, this, this idea, it's, it says being convinced, um, you know, and, and so the first thing that I uh, have done now in, you know, this time around is, is I have done enough uh, studying and understanding of you know, the, the big book, the way that the first 100 have laid it out in here to understand and can be fully convinced that I am a real alcoholic. Um, there's a page, I think it's uh, 30, uh, um, uh, 21, 20 and 21, where they kind of uh, talk through the description of the, the, you know, moderate drinker, the heavy drinker and the real alcoholic. And then they go on for a couple of pages about the real alcoholic and, um, you know, underlining things such as, you know, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. He's a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, all these, these lines in here about um, being able to uh, keep up with things and, and present uh, himself um, professionally or, um, you know, have, have a balanced life in, in a way that I, I did. I was able to have successes in a lot of different things in my life, um, except for my drinking, right? And so, um, you know, on page 44, like I said, it talks uh, about the two different um, uh, concepts or factors that that say that you are probably alcoholic says so if when you honestly want you can't you find you cannot quit entirely or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take you are probably alcoholic 
And it says, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience uh, will conquer. And, you know, that that could be a lot to unpack, um, you know, especially when you don't really know what that looks like. Um, and this idea, especially when I'm working with others, I'm working with another guy right now, and we had this conversation, we unpacked it quite a bit, where uh, the, the sheer numbers of uh, membership and success in AA over the years of, you know, 1939, when this book was originally written, you know, it was the first 100. And then through the different forwards to, you know, the additions all the way up through the fourth, it talks about the efficacy of the program and how well it's worked. And, and for there to have been so many people that this simple program that's, you know, 80 some years old right now has, um, has been able to, to successfully work with, there has to be something out there that's that's uh, accurate or true. Um, you know, there's got to be something something behind it. Um, and so, you know, working with someone in front of me, saying, "Look, you know, this is how I drank. This is who I was. This is how I felt um, until I found a, a power greater than myself." Left to my own devices, I am off and running, and you know, it's only a matter of time before I, I end up in a gutter or in in you know an institution. Um, but when I turn my will and my life over to the care of a, a power that's greater than myself, amazing things can happen and I can become recovered. Um, and that's, there's, there's, you know, promises all throughout the book. I think the book starts off uh, the very first, the title page says, you know, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. And that's a huge deal because um, you know, being in a meeting and hearing someone say that I'm a recovered alcoholic, you know, could come with a little bit of uh, scoffing, if you will, you know, if you don't really understand what that truly means. Um, but to know that with the help of a power greater than myself, uh, I can, I can do this, I can recover as well. And, you know, like I mentioned, I've, I've got, I grew up in the, in the Roman Catholic church, you know, I went to, um, uh, you know, confession and, and reconciliation and Holy Communion and baptism and, and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, and I still kind of carry that around and I've, I have no ill will towards it, um, fortunately, but there are a lot of people who do. And so this idea, you know, we've got pages and pages in this book. And, you know, of course, the chapter to the agnostics where, you know, it, it uh, specifically addresses any kind of problems that we have with organized religion. This isn't about religion. This isn't about having you know, uh, one God over another God, you know, it's not uh, Muslim, it's not Jewish, it's not Catholic. Uh, this is, as they put a number of different places, a God of your understanding. So the cool thing about this all is that in order to be, um, to believe that there is a power greater than myself that can help me recover, I get to actually figure out what that is. And I was actually, I was listening to a speaker tape, I think it was uh, Chris R. recently, who who uh, was talking about a guy who calls it um, a, a god of my non-understanding, right? Because the more and more that I try to pin this guy down and figure out what he is, the the less and less I actually come to understand, uh, you know, really who I'm talking to when I when I say my prayers at the end of the night. So, you know, whatever you want to call it, we get to come up with our own understanding of this higher power. You know, it's not going to be a doorknob. I can break through a doorknob right now if I wanted to. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's something that um, you know is is spiritual in nature, and 
you know, I, I can come to believe personally for me that uh, it, my higher power can, can save my life. Right. And then, and then, you know, we, it, we that's a, the, those two things happen pretty quick, you know, understanding who you are, what you are and, and how you got here. And then uh, finding a way to, to have faith in, in something else. That's not me. That's going to save my butt because that's what I need at this point. Um, and, and then we get to step three and this idea of, of turning our will and our life over to the care of God, as we understand him, that sounds like a lot, um, you know, what does it really mean? I had a lot, I had, I had uh, a lot of trouble trying to understand this step in particular, because I'm very black and white um, with my thinking in terms of turning my will. What does that mean? Do I just say here, I'm not going to do anything. You just, you just do it for me kind of guy. Well, no, it doesn't quite work like that. Like I still have to actually make decisions in my life and I have to um, steer the ship, if you will. But when I, consistently practice turning my will and my life over the care of God as I understand him. My direction that I steer my life in um, is is being pushed by my higher power. So the decisions that I'm making to um, to go out and help another person or to to do the right thing um, are not my decisions. Um, and that's not, you know, when, when it, when it boils down to it, um, who I am, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily do those kind of things, but with the help of my higher power, I do. And it, and it comes naturally for me at that point. And so, uh, waking up every day, uh, with this concept of, you know, and, and my, you know, I say the third step prayer as, as much as I can, but also, uh, I start off my day and I say, you know, uh, dear Lord, please direct my thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors to better reflect your will for me. And what that does is kind of gets the ball rolling in this way that uh, I'm I'm going to make decisions in line with what my higher power would would want for me. And so um, it's a little bit more of a consciousness approach um, that has to happen all the time. Um, this idea of one day at a time uh, is not so much I'm not going to drink for today. It's it's that today I'm going to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him. Um, so th- you know th- that's that's. Steps one through three, right? Uh, and I and I think those are those are some of the easy ones to do. And and um, you know, I I've had experiences where I've knocked all three of those out with a sponsee, uh, you know, in in a matter of minutes, right? Uh, depending on where they are in step one, uh, step four and five. That's that's kind of really where we lose a lot of people uh, in the program because this is where we start to actually put pen to paper, um, you know, and. When we we talk about step four, this idea of you know personal inventory, um, you know I've I've been involved in in a number of experiences where uh, it's it's been put down as as like a confessional, right? You know, and and these are some of the things that I've done, and and these are some of the things that have been done to me, and you know I I have a resentment towards this person or this institution because they wronged me. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, what we're really trying to do is, um, first of all, figure out where we were wrong, right? Um, what, what in this approach, you know, what, what was, I don't like to say my part because that, um, constitutes, you know, somebody else having a part, um, and, and the focus is, is all on, on me and, and what I've done in these situations or, um, where my character defects lie, uh, and then, you know, uh, a fear inventory. What am I afraid of? What what 
fears are holding me back from you know this this sense of freedom that um that i that i can have just by by knowing just by knowing what they are um and what drives me uh and then of course you know there there are personal relationships and such but um the practice of of step 4 and then walking through it in step 5 with with a, a sponsor or you know a religious body or you know someone of authority is is the opportunity to to really suss out uh all you know or, or dig through all of the noise to find out exactly what drives me uh, what are my character defects that that get in the way of me operating, you know, on a spiritual level uh, day by day? What are the things that are holding me back from having a healthy relationship or uh, from making the right decisions or from from being a good person? Um, and and once, you know, we have the opportunity to to dig through it all and, and to find that out, you know, we have a a list now of of things that we get to just give away. Um, so in six in step six and seven, you know, we've we've at this point, you know, we've figured out and, and we've convinced ourselves that we are alcoholic. We've came to believe that there's a higher power that could save us from this alcoholism. Uh, and then we've we've said, okay, let's do it. I'm all in. Um and then, you know, we've gone through this process of of understanding what it is that's wrong with me and and uh why do I act the way that I do and, and what behaviors and characteristics do I have that drive that action and that behavior. And then how can I give those away um, or, you know, how can I get rid of them? And, and that's one of the cool things about my higher power is that he's going to take those away from me, which is great. Uh, the caveat, though, is that he doesn't just take that. He doesn't just take the things which I find objectionable. Uh, he takes all of it, good and bad. Um, you know, we see uh, the, the step seven uh, prayer that we see. Um, where was this we are um my creator i am now willing that you should have all of me good and bad i pray that you now remove me from every single remove from me every single defect of character which stand in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows grant me strength as i go out from here to do your bidding amen so the you know, like I said, it's uh, I'm not just giving away these things that I find objectionable. I'm also giving away the good things in my life because what I'm doing is I'm I'm reemphasizing this this step three experience that I've had where I'm I'm giving my my full self over to the care of my higher power. So uh, we do in step three in in a general sense, and then we do that more in a specific sense in step seven. Um, you know, I uh, it who who am I to to sit here and say you know you can have these but I'm gonna hang on to these um, you know I I I want you know because then at that point I'm bringing my own will back into it I'm all, I'm bringing my my decision making back into it and you know like I said when when my decisions are leading the way then uh, I am doomed to fail so I, I don't even want to at this point be the person who uh, determines what is good and what is bad. Um, you know, I've come up with a list of things that are objectionable, but, you know, there are uh, plenty of things about me that you might find objectionable or or that uh, still get in the way from of me being, you know, completely fulfilled in, in a number of different ways. So I'm just going to give it all away. Uh, and then, and at the end, it talks about, you know, uh, giving the strength to go out and do your bidding. Um, it's a little bit of a, a, a lead into the action that we are meant to take uh, throughout this program uh, on a daily basis, on a regular basis. Um, 
you know, faith without works is dead. Uh, you know, the concept that um, nothing will ensure uh, immunity such as, you know, one-on-one work, uh, -on work with another alcoholic, you know, and, and uh, paraphrasing a little bit out of the book, but uh, this isn't a program for me to just go through the motions, hang on to, and uh, and then sit back and coast because I've I've kind of done that before and it, and it did not end up uh, well and and you know my story may be different from another uh, but I'm a real alcoholic as I've I've been able to find on page 21 through like 25 um, and so I can't I can't just kind of rest on my laurels like that um, the action that we take you know of course. Uh, you know, right now we lead into eight and nine, um, you know, the, the amends process, which is another major area where people start to to fall out of the program, you know, because who really wants to go face these people when uh, and, and try to right some wrongs. Um, but the action that we have now that we've 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 got uh, strength behind us in, in the form of our higher power being carried through this process, uh, it becomes a whole lot easier. Um, you know, in, in step eight, we take from step four the list of of you know people that we have uh, resentment towards and and institutions and and um, you know we look and we find if if we owe those uh, people amends if we if we have to right a wrong that we've been uh, responsible for in situations like that and of course there are, there are more people that you know we can add on uh, in in this this uh, amends process in the step eight. Um, but, you know, getting back to this, the idea is that uh, all I'm trying to do is figure out where I was wrong. Um, you'll hear people talk about, you know, cleaning up my side of the street, you know, controlling what I can control. Um, I, you know, obviously everybody's experience and situations are going to be different. And, and you know, you can really uh, sweat the details or split hairs when it comes to, to one one person or one wrong, you know, versus another. And, and you know, there, there could be others at fault uh, in, in this or that, but that's not, that's not what I'm trying to figure out. Um, I'm just trying to figure out where I was wrong, uh, what I did wrong, what I said wrong, what I meant wrong. Uh, and then I'm, I'm trying to, uh, go out and make that right. Um, and the willingness, I think, is going to be the key part. You know, there are different, and throughout the book in step nine, it talks about, um, you know, just having the willingness to go out and to make amends uh, wherever possible. Um, you know, of course, now with, with Zoom, I think uh, technology makes things a whole lot more possible. But uh, um, the willingness to make the amends uh, is is the most important uh, element that we can have going into this step, um, especially when we face things like uh, creditors or potential legal issues. Um, you know, there, there are examples throughout the book where it talks about maybe making an amends isn't going to be the right thing to do if it's going to affect our families or other people. Um, you know, if I go and, and I uh, make an amends for a legal issue uh, that's, that's going to put me in jail, um, I can't uh provide for my family at that point right and so i'm causing more harm uh by trying to try you know so there are other ways to go about it and and of course work with a sponsor is going to really help um you know figure out how to navigate some of those different specifics like that but uh i've got to be willing i've got to be at least willing to face it um there can't be anything that i'm facing in my step eight or any people that i've left behind or um uh, and I'm trying to avoid just just for one reason or another, I have to be willing. 
And so this is this this is truly truly a a a liberating process because again it's it's clearing off my side of the street when I'm walking around uh, trying to dodge people or when I'm going to bed uh, and and resting my head at night and all I can think about is the people that I've wronged or you know someone that I owe you know owe an apology or or I have to make something right to it's it's not a good place to be in. So for me personally, you know, this idea of being willing comes comes pretty easy. Uh, and I had some pretty big um, people I had to face on my men's list uh, that were not easy. Um, and, you know, coming through the process, uh, what's cool is what's cool is that is that, you know, we don't necessarily have to wait for for step nine to be complete before we move on to 10, 11, 11 and 12. It, 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 we don't we don't do that. And it talks about in the book. Um, how we we move on to step 10, um, you know, after we had started this this immense process. But uh, the, the step nine promises, I think, even from the very beginning, have been something that were always really important to me and that had resonated towards me because um, it's, I think, one of the coolest things that I that I was able to see in the book of of how uh, this program can can really explode into my into my uh, everyday life. Um, you know, not having to fear anybody, having a little bit more uh, comfort going into to real world situations, uh, being able to, you know, understand the the financial struggles of, of you know, the pursuit that I'm facing. Um, the step nine promises have always have always had a special place in my heart. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I wish I wish that my my daughter was still here with me right now, because uh, I could point to a real world example of of the promises that have come true with me and and the the gifts of the program um, that that I've been able to experience uh, just by going through these steps and, and working them the way that the first 100 laid out um, in the book. Um, and then, you know, the the, the last, uh, I guess, chunk of the steps, 10, 11 and 12, you know, is what a lot of people refer to as the maintenance steps. Um, this is uh this is to me what what I talk about the one day at a time process. Um again, I'm not trying to not drink one day at a time, but what I'm trying to do one day at a time is um reinforce, uh cultivate, maintain, and grow my relationship with my higher power. Um it's it it starts with my on awakening. Uh, it ends with when I retire, um, you know, and, and I think I'm not sure if those pages are, are you know, 67 or 72 or something like that in the book. But, um, you know, these these things that I do every single day when I wake up to get my day started, uh, sometimes it's a little bit quicker than others, um, you know, and and the prayer meditation that I go through um, at the end of the day when I retire to, to look back on my day and, and kind of. Uh, asked myself, was there was there anywhere that I let my uh, character defects crop up? Uh, excuse me, get in the way of any of the relationships that I've got or any of the interactions that I do. If I have, do I owe any any kind of amends? Uh, I know I'm jumping ahead. This is this is you know the step eleven right here, but um, these are my my one day at a time um, practices. And uh, by doing that, I I continue to keep close to me the thing that's the most important and that's my relationship with my higher power uh step 10 um is is continuing to take personal uh inventory and uh when i was wrong promptly admitted it and 
you know, that's, that's always, that's an ongoing thing um, that I'm doing constantly. It's the interactions I'm having with, you know, the people on the screen right now. It's, it's the uh, everyday things that come up as they come up. Right. And so I am on my toes armed with, you know, the knowledge uh, that I've, I've come up with through the first nine steps. Um, how is my relationship with this person in front of me? Um, what are my motivations, my motives behind uh, the actions that I'm taking? Uh, did I harm somebody by, by uh, responding in a way that's not in line with my higher power? And if so, do I owe that person an amends? And uh, the, the process of doing a 10th step is, is so cool. Um, you know, being able to, in the moment, catch myself and say, hey, you know what? that wasn't quite right. I don't like the way that that, that uh, came out. And let me try to fix that, right? And, and connecting with my sponsor and and then, you know, making an amends uh, if, if need be. And, and I've been able to um, successfully save faith in a lot of different situations by, by a strong 10th step in the moment. Um, and, and that word uh, promptly is... Um, is the key factor there. You know, we don't want to sit on these things. I don't want to have very much to, to reflect back on in my, my uh, 11th step when I retire at the end of the night, because uh, first of all, if I'm living in a, you know, in, in line with my higher power, uh, I, I shouldn't be behaving in a way that um, that is objectionable at that point. But if I do, I don't want to have missed it in the moment. Right. So um, the prayer meditation, you know, it's not necessarily for me, at least it's not so much like, you know, sitting down cross-legged, closing my eyes with, with, uh, you know, calming music in the background. Um, you know, it's, it's internal, um, I don't know to call it reflection, but it's an opportunity for me to allow my higher power to speak to me. Uh, it's, it's an opportunity for me to kind of close off my mind to all the outside noise that may be um, blocking me from from getting some of this direction and um, influence from my higher power. And so uh, there has to be, for me at least, some dedicated time where I outwardly pray and I inwardly receive uh, the direction from my higher power. Um, you know, and then and then the key step, twelve uh, the twelfth step, working with others. Um, you know, we look at uh, the the title page, the circle, and the triangle, the three legs of of recovery, unity, or of, of the program, unity, service, and recovery. Um, you know, unity is is going to be uh, going to meetings, the fellowship, uh, connecting with other alcoholics, uh, standing in a parking lot for for forty five minutes and just kind of talking about the program. Um, serve uh, recovery is is going to be working the steps, um, being involved, and then and then that service element is is carrying the message. Uh, you know, when I came in this room and I identified as a newcomer, uh, the amount of people that reached out to me to offer their help uh, was more than I ever could have imagined. And and to, uh, to not do that myself for the next guy uh, is, is an extreme disservice uh, in my mind to, to what this program represents. Um, but then also the idea of, of working one-on-one -on -one with uh, another alcoholic. Um, the cool thing about this step is that it can happen, uh, very, very quickly. Um, this isn't something where you got, you have to have a year of sobriety under your belt to start working with others. Or the only thing you have to do is, is work through the first 11 steps. And 
the way that the that that Bill and Bob did it, you know, at the very beginning, um, was was very quickly. You know, these guys were, I think, like nine days sober before they were, you know, in hospitals carrying the message to others. And and so, um, being able to work with another alcoholic uh, is not necessarily just to to give away uh, the message and and the program. Um, it's also to kind of help strengthen it myself because the more that I stay active uh, with my review, my reflection, uh, going through the steps again, um, walking another person through the steps, the stronger that my recovery is going to be, the stronger my higher power uh, is going to be in my life. And, and, and the more, <laughs> the more recovered I can be on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, and so, so working with others, I, I think they put it in the, in the book is, you know, paraphrasing again is, is a non-negotiable. Um, you know, it's it's a leg of the stool that is uh, necessary to be able to stand up uh, and, and stay strong in this program. And um, none of this, though, is is possible to do without um, a, a dedicated and uh, defined relationship with a higher power uh, of your misunderstanding. Um, and we get that through working with the steps and, uh, you know, of course, through going to meetings uh, to working with others and um yeah i mean i think looking at the time here that's uh i think that's a good place for me to, to kind of wrap things up a little bit um i'm very grateful to be here i'm very grateful to uh have this opportunity to to kind of walk through my experience and knowledge and uh that's all i got thank you wow chris thank you so much